Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. With students preparing to head back to college campuses, this week on Seizing Life, we take a look at the challenges and successes of students with epilepsy, by revisiting several former guests who shared their college experiences and insights with us. In 2019, DePaul University student Eva Wodzinski and her mother, Michelle, spoke with us about the physical, mental, and emotional stresses of college and offered their advice on resources and potential accommodations for college students with epilepsy. When she finished high school, there was a big discussion at her epileptologist's office convincing her that she needed to take a year off to get seizure control before starting university. And Eva was really reluctant. (laughs) She was, I think so many things had been pushed back, so many things had been taken away that now the thought of spending a year dealing with, you know, seizure control. Yeah. So did you take that year? Did you push forward? I did not. (laughs) (laughs) She went part-time. Yeah, I went part-time because I get bored very easily. And so I was like, I could not uh, fathom being out of school for a year. And I just have to imagine that that college application process was significantly different for you than for your peers. What was that like? Um, The application was very easy. We just had to talk about an essay, about hardships, and I was like, I have a lot of those. (laughs) (laughs) Check, check. (laughs) And so I got in, and then I started four classes, and my grades kind of just fell down because of how many seizures I was having. I was also weaning off a medication and putting a new medication on. And this was not at DePaul. You started at Uh, Harold Washington City College. And I started in a community college because I didn't think I was at the health to go to a four-year university. And I also went through two brain surgeries in the process. Yeah, and so, uh, and then I started DePaul. I started with four classes. It was not working out well, so I went down to three, and it's been better. So at some point, Mm -hmm. you decided to, that you could make that change from the City College to a four-year university. What inspired that change? I always have the notion and the mentality to, like, if you want this hard enough, you'll be able to get it regardless Mm -hmm. of your disease. And so you kind of just have to push forward every day and you end up having to educate um, your professors, your classmates, your student of accommodations because no one seems to know what epilepsy is. Which is so like leads perfectly into my next question is, you know, how, what do you tell your professors and how do they respond? It differs. We have, um, a, we have a letter that we've been giving to every teacher since, I don't know, freshman year. And we've modified it through, but the same letter, go in, make the modifications, Mm -hmm. print it out, give it to them, trust that they'll actually read it, you know, and then. Yeah, and then I'll have one professor is like, well, you were gone because, but for, I was gone because of seizures, but they think I just skipped class. And so then I have to go to my doctor, to my psychologist, to my student of accommodations to get everyone in to say like, no, this is not because I skipped classes because it's unsafe for me to be in class. And so 
that's tough when that happens. Yeah, well, and it's but... creating more stress for you yeah. in an already mm-hmm. stressful environment. I mean, college is hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that additional work has to be has to be tough. Um, what do you tell your peers, your your the, your fellow students? Uh, I don't usually tell them because it's more of personal thing and especially if I'm not close to them or they're friends of mine then it's like I'm just gonna do but uh I've had seizures during classes and then it makes the professor more aware because I don't have tonic unless I'm off of my medications I have you know all these other ones that may not be apparent Mm -hmm. but I had a seizure in my math class where my arm convulsed and it actually hit one of the girls and she was like, are you okay? Like they thought I was probably on like some drug. <laughs> that I, Which is just yeah. so frustrating, but that's yeah. where the thought process goes because people are so uneducated about seizures. Yeah. And you know, you talk about uh, student accommodations. What are some of the accommodations that you have requested from your schools? Uh, I have a longer time for tests. They give me extended time. I've had, I have one that if I have doctor appointments or medical appointments that I will get uh, passed for it. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. That, that, that's <laughs> so. not an official accommodation. That's something yeah. uh, that's not available through the accommodations department. And we fought for it. Uh, to increase the awareness that if she's having a day where she's having 10, 15, 20 seizures in an hour, she needs to come home, take rescue medication, and that puts her out. Mm-hmm. She can't be in class. And so, and then some of the epileptologist appointments where if you miss it, you just, you have to keep it because you course. might not get in for a little while yeah. and you just need to be there. So that we've fought for that accommodation. Yeah. But um, the extended time for tests is... It's very helpful because... I might have seizures during classes and it takes me 10 to 15 minutes to be aware. And Mm -hmm. uh, so it's very helpful in those situations. I'll have classes where I have seizures and I can't really get back to the lecture right away. And so then you lose that 15 minutes of class. And so what are you going to do? Like asking them to repeat all this stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And then I have um, short-term memory loss sometimes. And sometimes I don't retain everything. So I always have like loads of notes written out so I can remember it. Yeah. Are there specific things that you would uh, recommend to schools, different ways that they can better accommodate students with epilepsy? One thing that I try to give people more information that are around my age or going to high school or going to college, that they don't give you a menu of how many student accommodations you can get. So you have no idea of what's out there for you and you have no idea if it's actually going to apply to your uh, disease, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And so I think that's not okay because what if this one's going to very much help you, but they're not going to like say like, oh, you can have this or you cannot have this. Right, to even know what the possibilities are, what you can Mm -hmm. even ask for. Yeah. Well, and it's a law that students are protected through primary and secondary school. That law does not extend to college students. That is at the decision of the university and the instructors. The law does not protect you at university level. Does not protect students with disabilities. I have no idea. Yeah, I know. It was shocking to me, too, when she started down this road at university, and I all of a sudden learned that 
the same protections Aside from, aren't I'm sure, there. like the ADA yeah. protects, but, but as far it's as you know, educational uh-huh. things, um, yeah. Wow. And so it's it's an individual experience at each individual learning institution. Huh. So going on this journey, you know, through high school, going to college, now being in college, what tips, what recommendations, what advice do you have for you know, teenagers who are walking the same path as you? Um, I would connect with people who are already in school who have epilepsy because they're able to give you a lot more tips and you have an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just research a lot about your university because some have good student accommodations, some have horrible ones. And so you really have to look further than a person that doesn't have a disability. And so it's, it needs to be part of your yeah. your college selection, yeah. you know, not just who has the prettiest campus and the best food, <laughs> yeah. but you're you're really looking at, you know, that's a major yeah. decision factor. And then a lot of times if you have epilepsy or any other disease, your doctors are in one place. And so for me, I had to find a university in Chicago or in Illinois because I didn't want to change and restate my story every single time. <laughs> Understand that. Yeah. So, you know, you can still get out there. You can still mm-hmm. get that college degree, but yeah. you also have to respect your limitations. Yeah. Always go back to your student accommodations and update them of what's going on. Um, and because then they can change things for you because it's an ever changing disease. And so I think just being resilient about going to these people, going to your professors, because then they'll start understanding a bit more. I mean, you know, so it all boils back to communication. And um, then also, I think people need to be aware that you're not going to get judged if you have to take limited classes each quarter mm-hmm. semester. And it's more normal to have to be in school for five years. Like no one's going to go university. at university. Yeah. And uh, people aren't going to judge you for it. Hi, this is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that one in 26 Americans will develop epilepsy in their lifetime? For more than 20 years, Cure Epilepsy has funded cutting edge patient focused research. Learn more about our mission to end epilepsy at cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. We spoke with Caroline Pratt and her mother, Ashley Henricks, about the changes that occur in the parent-child relationship as a child with epilepsy moves away from home to attend college. You've gone through high school. You've had this positive environment. Your seizures are still not under control but it's time to start thinking about college. What is going through your mind when it's time to uh, send in those college applications? Well, for starters, I did not want to go to a college so close to home. I didn't want to go too far away, but I wanted to go like, I don't know, maybe a couple of hours away. Then I started having more like, big seizures and uh, closer together and of course I don't have a trigger so that wasn't really great and on top of that I I got a scholarship to to Carthage and mom was basically like 
if you get a scholarship, you're going. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're going. I think a lot of parents sort of feel yeah. that way. <laughs> so yeah. that's a pretty normal, pretty normal parent response. They were able to give me the accommodations that I needed. And what were some of those accommodations that you requested? Well, for one, I get to live in a dormitory that is typically only for seniors or people who request accommodations like just cuz it it's really great it's you don't you don't share a bedroom with six people mm-hmm. which is important because you need your sleep lack of sleep and stress is can be a huge seizure trigger so making sure that you can get a good night's sleep which can be very challenging to do in college if i remember correctly um, so that's i mean that's incredibly important she also has uh, academic accommodations, um, and they were very, um, just like her high school, they were very um, you know, open to that, and uh, she has extra time on testing, um, and uh, um, it was interesting. We had two very different experiences on college interviews, and, and Carthage, as I said, was very um, you know, open to uh, whatever she needed to be successful. And um, another college, you know, said, I don't think we've ever had anyone, uh, you know, with a seizure disorder on campus. And I was thinking, it's one in 26. So you have. I, you have. Um, but uh, um, so, you know, she, again, she's been very fortunate to have um, the support system uh, that she has. And, um, you know, as her health is still kind of a question mark, we really are um, thankful that uh, her dad and I are both nearby um, and... Uh, that we can get to her if needed, but that she can live on campus also. Yeah, and, and experience that level of independence and responsibility. And so what is going through your mind as mom? I, I just, I can't even imagine the sort of anxiety that you have around letting her go and, and explore this independent world. And what are you thinking? What are what have you learned or what advice do you have to to get parents through this? Well, there's a um, picture that Caroline loves to kind of make fun of because we took a lot of pictures on move-in day and there was one where um, I'm hugging her and I'm just, I'm just a wreck, oh, you know, I'm just yeah, a wreck. And, absolutely. Um, you know, people who didn't know us that well thought, you know, she's going to college in your town that you live in, so <laughs> okay, you know, it, I know you're a little nervous, but... Um, but, uh, I think, you know, my advice again, the communication has to be there with wherever, um, you know, your child is going as far as every housing, um, academics, uh, counseling, um, uh, has to, you know, everybody has to be on the same page, but, um, you know, Caroline, um, has not, um, been healthy since she, you know, started at Carthage and even move in day, you know, um, we got a call right after we left. Um, but, uh, but she's making her way and, um, she wants to make her way. And, um, uh, we have one of the things we started was an app, uh, medication app so that we get notified. Um, her dad and I, um, do if she's not taking her meds. And, um, so that's, you know, pieces like that. Um, but, you know, we, um, we can't, um, you know, hold her close, you know, that wouldn't be good for her, wouldn't be good for, um, for us, 
she does need to, you know, have that level of independence. We prefer that she have a, a cleaner room, but you know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's on her. But uh, it, this is, um, and the other part that was a little um, different is that she skipped a grade, so she's only 17 at college. Um, uh, but again, she's, you know, she's making her way and it's important to her that she does that um, with limited interference from mom and dad. So. Caroline, what advice would you give to other uh, teens and kids getting ready to go off to college uh, in what they should be looking for, both in a school, but also navigating that parent relationship? Well, I would say just be sure to stay close with your family. I found that's what helps me. They're always there to support me. And honestly, the best advice would just be to be yourself. Like, epilepsy is what you have. It's not who you are. And just be you. And most of the time, people won't even really know notice you have it. Right. Absolutely. Ashley, what advice would you give to parents as they are navigating this newfound freedom of, you know, for their children? How do you best navigate this next stage of your life and, and parenting? Um, I think one of the things that uh, I was very um, uh, happy and impressed with um, was that each of her professors, you know, emailed her and said, we're aware that you have accommodations. We need you to schedule time with each of us to discuss you know, exactly what we can do to help you. And so that, um, that was big for me as a parent because I'm out of that. I'm not involved with that. And that's Caroline's responsibility now, and, um, which was important. Um, so that, um, you know, that role changed um, with that email. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've never been a helicopter parent. Uh, I mean, it's certainly epilepsy changes things, but um, you know, my children need to um, you know, solve problems on their own. And um, you know, of course, as things progress, if nothing was happening, then, then mom would get involved. But it's sort of, you know, college is, again, there's a lot more responsibility on um, the student and there really needs to be. Um, so, you know, just again, communication is key. You, the, um, I have to be, I had to be comfortable with what I was hearing and seeing, um, you know, before we, um, you know, committed to Carthage. And, um, uh, and I think that's true whether, you know, your child's going to a large school or a small school, you, they have to, you know, want to be there and you have to be comfortable um, with that investment, with the resources available, and um, then you have to trust, you have to place a lot of trust in, um, you know, the faculty and the staff and your child. Um, certainly, you know, I don't remove myself from the equation entirely, but, um, but it's a different, it's a different uh, stage in her life, um, absolutely, and, you know, in my life, and uh, um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, it's you know wonderful, um, and it's hard. Do you get notified with every seizure? No, um, Caroline uh, typically will let me know um, uh, with the, the larger ones. She uh, she had one in class yesterday, um, and uh, you know that's 
just, you know, a struggle. It's one thing if you're in your dorm room and it happens uh, privately, um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to um, be in a new environment, have a fresh start, which is what we told our college was, and then to still, but still you have to you're deal with it. You're still taking your baggage along with you, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. In one of our first remote episodes during the COVID-19 pandemic, University of Cincinnati PhD candidate Kristen Godale spoke with us about how growing up with epilepsy influenced her decision to pursue a career in epilepsy research and why she became more public about her diagnosis during her college years. It was hard growing up with epilepsy, it really was. And it wasn't until I was in college, I started to be more frank with people and I talked about it. I talked about epilepsy, like, look, I have epilepsy, this is a seizure. And that was the first time that I remember being a, an official advocate for the disease and telling people about it. And I think that's, you know, what we're here to do. But what you know, changed your mind to, to start telling people that you had epilepsy versus keeping it a secret? Oh, wow. Um, there was this, there are a couple things, but I remember um, when I was in high school, I had really bad status epilepticus events. I was hospitalized. Um, it was bad. But my neurologist actually encouraged me to start to learn about the disease. Um, they gave me books. I'm in like the hospital with all these electrodes on my head and like having seizures, but I'm reading about epilepsy. And um, he, um, my doctor then invited me to um, an advocacy event they were having at the hospital. And, you know, I was just volunteering and I came into contact with this young boy and he obviously had epilepsy. He was like nine or something. And he looked at me and he's like, you have epilepsy? And I responded, yeah. And then he began to ask me all of these hard questions. Like, can you get married? Can you have a job? Can you go to school? Can you have friends? Can you like do all of this stuff? And at the time I, I wasn't sure, but of course I said yes. And after that event in my life, I, you know, I began to reevaluate how I viewed the disease. And that really started my advocacy journey. And in college, that's what made me so open about it. And, you know, as a blossoming neuroscientist who wanted to study the disease, it wouldn't look too great if I started to hide it from the very beginning of my academic journey. Was there a difference in the way that people responded when you told them up front in college about the epilepsy versus how they responded in middle school and high school? Of course, yeah. I think it also has to do with the level of maturity of my peers from one time to another. Um, but yeah, everyone was very accepting of it. Um, if I had a seizure, they were fine. They called, um, they followed my seizure action plan and they called my mom or they called the ambulance when needed and no one was really afraid to work with me or be my friend and um, I was very thankful for that well versus in high school where I didn't tell anyone and when I had a seizure it was a totally different reaction because they didn't know and it was like surprise. We've spoken with several college students 
who have epilepsy and going through that experience, what was college like for you? Did you ask for accommodations? What, what was your college experience like? I actually, I didn't ask for accommodations in college. I actually didn't receive accommodations in grad school until I had a status epilepticus event in 2017. And the reason being is because I think I was too proud and I didn't want people to think, oh, you have epilepsy and that's why you need this extra time. And I just, I didn't want anyone to think that because I still, to this day, I believe I can do everything and anything as well as someone who doesn't have epilepsy. But, you know, that really hurt me at the end because I had some problems with accommodations um, for some classes. And since I didn't have all the paperwork filled out, I had a hard time. So, you know, looking back, I would definitely tell any college students who go to your accommodations office immediately and just fill the paperwork out. Don't be like me. Don't wait. <laughs> and don't, <laughs> let your, don't, get, don't let your pride get in the way. It just doesn't matter in the end. What matters is, you know, you're doing well in school, getting your grades, and then going off to wherever you need to go. Thank you to all of our guests who shared their insights and experiences navigating college with epilepsy. The college years are a time of significant transition for any family, but for those who are impacted by epilepsy, it's also fraught with new emotional and physical challenges. If you are one of those students or families impacted by epilepsy, we hope this episode has provided some helpful information and insights to consider as the new school year begins. Epilepsy patients and their families are at the heart of the patient-focused research that Cure Epilepsy has promoted and funded for 23 years. Our goal is to advance new therapies, to promote seizure reduction and freedom for patients and their families. If you would like to support Cure Epilepsy's research, please visit cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Your support and generosity are greatly appreciated. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual specific health situation.